Talking Doctor podcast. Appreciate you all being here. Don't forget to check out some of the other things that we are doing. It's all over at drdrew.com. Uh, and do take care to support the people that support us. We appreciate that very, very much. Today, my guest, speaking of other things, other places you can find me, Megan Mansell. She has been a guest on my streaming show, the one we do at 3 o'clock Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Pacific time. Her book is Accommodating Chaos, Correcting Course on a Plague of Misinformation. Oh, man, can I vouch for that book and that, that title. She's a writer for Brownstone. You can find her at brownstone.org slash author slash Megan dash Mansell, M-A-N-S-E-L-L. And Twitter, it's Mamasaurus Meg, <laughs> M-A-M-A-S-A-U-R-U-S, Meg, M-E-G. Megan, welcome back. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so last time you and I spoke on the streaming platform, my recollection is – you were fairly um, – I'm trying to th- describe your emotion. Frustrated, I guess would be the right word. You were frustrated with the lack of scientific rigor around masks. And uh, particularly at that time, it was probably a year into the pandemic, if that even. If and, that. If that. And you were saying, hey, they are not studying aerosolization, that, that this is an aerosol, not a droplet. Uh, you know, that, that to some extent, you know, tuberculosis is sort of a droplet, maybe some aerosol. This is strictly aerosol. What the fuck are we doing? Excuse my French. But what, <laughs> what are we doing here? And I've noticed that uh, your social media posts have evolved as the science has evolved. And I thought it's time to get back and talk about this. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, from the start, what I was really pushing for was minimum viable particle size under pressure. And explain why that's important. Explain why that's important. Really, we're gonna have to go. We're gonna have to go point by point. Sure. So so we have an N95. It's sealed, and you breathe hard. That's under pressure, and now poof, out it goes from the mask. Right. And and we're dealing with a fluid. We're not dealing with solid particulates. And so, if you're, we we've had two main concerns that have gotten all mixed in together. We've had the concept of source control. And we've had the concept of personal protection. And those got kind of lumped all in as one, as if an apparatus deemed mitigating or helpful um, for personal protection would also protect others if you were wearing it. And that's unfortunately not the way they work, nor is it the way they're designed. So, uh, so let's stop. Let's. I, I have a, I'm going to have to stop you each step because I have a billion questions. <laughs> How did that happen? What the hell? How, what these people know better? They're scientists. What, what was going on? What, what, and and why? I mean, and why can't somebody stand up and go, uh, "Excuse me, uh, these aren't the same things here," and there's no evidence of one and barely of the other. How do we? What, what's going on here? I don't think that in the beginning, and you know, it took about eight months before there was a pivot ever in discussion from droplet based, which is, you know, defined as particulate greater than five microns, but five micron matter can still behave as an aerosol and remain aloft for extended periods of time. And so um, it's that versus now it's considered pretty readily accepted to be an airborne pathogen, which means aerosol, which means under five microns. And in this particular instance, we're talking about 0.06 to 0.14 micron matter at its minimum viable particle size. And so, no, it's probably not just a, a virion floating alone in space, not attached to anything, but it can be attached to larger matter and in multiple other virions and still fall both under the 0.3 micron threshold um, that is the the minimum approved range for filtration of um, N95 respirators, as well as well under the threshold for five micron particulates. And so um, had we seen a pivot away from droplet loudly enough, we also would have seen them saying, okay, our mitigation measures are only for droplet. You're pushing people to distance from each other and hand sanitize. Well, um, aerosol emissions of an unbound face have, um, you know, not wearing a mask, not wearing a respirator, have a trajectory of 18 to 20 feet. 
And then if you go and you put a fitted apparatus on it and, and the audience can't see it, but plumes like this um, yeah. are, are important. And I show a lot of visuals like on my Twitter feed because and, and in the book because I want people to see what I'm talking about. Sitting next to a person with pressurized side plumes coming out of the mask um, not only is causing that matter to travel further as a focused cloud of matter, but you're also, you know, if you're sitting next to someone on, on an airplane, um, you're breathing your focused emission plume right in your neighbor's face for the duration of your flight. When unbound emissions have a, a wafting open um, emission cloud, it's not a focused trajectory. It's kind of like the visual of, of blowing smoke rings. So without, without the mask, it's how many feet? 16? 18 to 20 feet. 18 to 20. And with the mask, how far? Well, it would depend on the apparatus and the individual, what they're doing. Um, the respiratory emission pl- pressure varies whether or not they're experiencing a plosive force generating event, such as a cough or a sneeze or screaming or singing, or if it's just general respiration. If they're, it, it, it changes. It's a kind of a spectrum. And, but- and this is all basic environmental engineering, right? It's basic fluid dynamics, right, it's basic right, particulate right. dynamics. Are, are there people in the world of environmental engineering that would disagree with what you're saying? I haven't found any. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So why doesn't the world that's actually doing the work on masks speaking up and telling everyone to uh, get this straight? Well, I was part of a panel um, called the America's Frontline Industrial Hygienists and Multidisciplinary Support Summit. Um, that was industry professionals coming together who concur um, with one another about the problems. And, and the problem, I think, from the start is that this was viewed as a medical issue when it's treated, a, a pathogen being treated is certainly a, a medical issue. But medical doctors are required to meet with industrial hygienists annually for fit-tested hazard-specific kit for each of their um, you know, anticipated workplace exposure scenarios. And it's different for each, um, each different hazard that they would come into contact with, whether it was airborne, whether it was um, fomite, whether it was a droplet-based issue. And so, um, and, and these mitigation measures are non-interchangeable. What, uh, do, what do you mean by that? So I, I mean that um, things that work to prevent droplet-based spread of this large droplet matter that has a predictable behavior, um, th- those measures don't work the same for airborne matter, then you're looking at, um, you know, the, the hierarchy of controls is a helpful thing for, for people to look into if they're trying to um, make improvements, because it, it focuses on environmental mitigation, um, on um, fo- focusing on airflow within a space, dilution and destruction technology, um, and air exchange rates. Um, and, so, and so you would have had, you know, simple suggestions like meet outside or open a window, spend, don't spend time around actively transmissible individuals if you're a highly, you know, susceptible individual. Um, but we didn't, um, we didn't have that advice given when we should have. And instead so, we were, we went into this weird hysteria, yeah. right. That was based on a, political policy of the Chinese Communist Party, not any medical or environmental engineering thought that went into what the Chinese did. And then our scientists were hoodwinked by the Chinese. Why didn't they listen to environmental engineers? I've spoken to people now who were in the rooms in Washington when they were making decisions about what to recommend. Things things like the six-feet social distancing. Completely pulled out of thin air. Completely. Completely. Zero evidence. Nobody consulted. Why we didn't they consult? Plexiglass at our yeah. Yeah. presidential debates and president yeah. and plexiglass inhibits airflow. Yes, and makes it worse. How many places did you see that put up? Right. Where- so what? What the hell? What was that? It was people, and and this is still the issue. People wanting to seem like they're doing something who don't know what to do instead. And apparently don't know the correct people to ask instead and completely disregarding protocol that was in place for a long time um, prior to 
any of this coming up. Is anyone in, is anyone in your business and your discipline going to kind of get together and put out a press release or something? Like, uh, is there any way to get this sort of understood as as we <laughs> here in L.A. County keep going back into mask mandates for no reason whatsoever? We have tried. Uh, we sent a 28-page letter um, to Fauci and Walensky and the White House and um, in, in specifying exactly where they were failing and why and what to do instead. And we got no response. Um, and that was, you know, senior industrial hygienists and OHS professionals, chemical engineers, and um, it, it's it's a multidisciplinary approach that must be taken because in 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 one domain you have worker protection rights and um, the rights of the workers within a given space of okay you're being told that you're being exposed to this specific hazard in your workplace. None of the workers um, are being given appropriate PPE. None of them are being given fit testing or medical clearance. There's 15 pages of medical clearance required by OSHA before ever donning a respirator within the workplace. But how many places have you seen with N95 requirements for eight hours a day? I mean, that's highly illegal. That's highly against protocol. Um, and, And so instead, you just kind of went with this, like, well, everybody's got to do something attitude. No, no, it wasn't that. It it was, it was, you're, you're dangerous if you don't wear a mask. You don't care about other people. You're going to kill grandma. You've killed untoward some of the people. Uh, What, that is not, hey, we're just going to try to do something. That is something far more disgusting and pernicious. Shopify is the commerce platform that is revolutionizing business worldwide. If you haven't tried Shopify, well, it is time you did. Shopify covers every sales channel from in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks to 24-7 help and extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. And no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify is there to empower you with your confidence and to control, to revolutionize your business, take your business to that next level. It's your turn to get serious about selling and try Shopify today. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Drew. The Drew is all lowercase. Shopify, of course, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y. Go to Shopify.com slash Drew to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash Drew. And so there is an article that I posted recently um, called Why N95s Fail to Stop the Spread on Brownstone. Um, and what I get into there is, is I just wanted to be painstakingly specific that let's just assume that 95% of matter is captured of what you're being exposed to, either of what you're putting out or of what you're being exposed to of this specific pathogen. Um, so I calculated output ranges for SARS-CoV-2 of um, the different outputs output ranges currently available on research, and then converted particle to PFU, that's plaque forming units, which are how many, um, if you emit a a bunch of virions into the atmosphere, or a bunch of virus particles into the atmosphere, not all of them are viable virions. The particle to PFU ratio for SARS-CoV-2 is 1,000 to um, out of 1 million uh, virus particles. And so, um, so about point, from that, point, point one percent, point oh one percent, point zero, yeah. Um, and so, and then I made the spectrum of minimum infective dose from all of the studies currently available. And so, I compare um, minimum, I take the particle to PFU ratio and apply that out, and then apply that to the output. Uh, of a per minute, per hour, per eight hour period. And then the minimum infective dose potential 
of a transmissible individual of how much matter they're emitting is capable of causing plaque forming units um, and, and how many people can meet minimum infective dose by one infected individual um, within those given timeframes. And then I apply 95% perfect capture capacity to look at the 5% never captured. So I'm assuming that an N95, which is not uh, designed nor approved um, to capture matter smaller than 0.3 microns, um, but you're going to, so, you're going to, for the sake of argument, just for say. For the sake of argument, I'm throwing that out the window. And what, I'm also. What, what's the reality? You're, you're, it seems like you're, you're painting the best case scenario. What's the worst case scenario? Am, this is the best that's case. That's what I'm saying. Scenario. What's the, what's the, that's what I'm saying. What's the worst case scenario? What's the what, worst case scenario would be. Like I mean, 60%? Everybody's still, everybody's still getting infected. No, 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 way. no, no. I, well, that's, well, that's. Of course, what's happening, but <laughs> but no, you're, you're putting ninety five percent capture. What's the more realistic capture rate from a ninety five sixty percent? I I can't even justify that at all because the it would depend on your duration. It would de- determine be determined by the output of the transmissible individual. Okay, so hold um, on. So so let's get the, so you're what you're what you're mentioning is the idea that if you're going to wear a mask and uh, get capture. You have to wear it perfectly 100% of the time, which nobody does. And as you said in the workplace, it's actually against the law. Yes. And also the apparatus, even if it perfectly captured 95%, still fails. Right. That's so, the point. So the point is the worst case – no, the best case, best scenario, case scenario, the absolute categorical fails. best thing that it captured 95%, which is not anywhere near realistic. Probably realistic, right. by the way, you're talking is probably like 30 or 40%. And worn perfectly with perfect fitting, you're going to get like 95%, let's say, even if that's even and possible. And I show- all my figures, you're welcome to apply 30, 40 yeah. percent, whatever, and table that as well. Can you can you um, turn that into like a a, a shorter or like a three part tweet chain and tag me so I can push that out? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. T- turn it into a shorter little tweet chain with some data, yes. and then tag me, and I want to push that out. And because uh, sure. because this is this people need to understand this. So so it's important. yeah. Now that's going. In terms of protecting other people, it's a zero. In terms of protecting yourself, it's a little better, isn't it? No, this is as assuming 95% perfect capture capacity for the wearer. Now, Ah. there are some things that you should know about the the concept of masks protecting other people. And I have a a couple little things um, that I wanted to just say. Um, I want to stay with the protecting yourself thing. Okay, sure. It's not a... It feels to me like N95s, in terms of protecting the wearer, has some utility, possibly. Is is there a way to interpret your data? It just seems like it has some utility. It hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. It hasn't worked because people don't wear it because because they literally never wear it perfectly. Never. But even – but but that's there. There's the Conley study, which is Canada and a few other countries that compared – um, surgical masks to N95s recently, and that showed that there was no difference between donning an N95 and a surgical mask. And then um, the Cochrane review that just came out within the past few days also found uh, no significant change um, in healthcare settings or in real world application of donning an N95. And so, if I think I think if we're looking at it truthfully, I think. What the issue is, is that our our minimum baseline needs moved and 95 shouldn't be their bottom of the barrel respirators. Anyway, I'm not really sure why anyone got obsessed with N95s to begin with um, or why we ended up with a supply chain issue with them to begin with. Either. Is there a respirator that would be protective for a wearer? Um, the industrial hygienists I know wouldn't recommend anything in direct exposure for um, – they, they would consider it an IDLH situation, and uh, the minimum would be a, a PAPR or a CAPR unit with supplemental air. Um, because it's such a high output, low minimum infective dose of a pathogen um, in all output ranges discussed. From, and from, a, it, from a pragmatic standpoint, though, it seems like nurses and physicians – 
manage to protect themselves from patients, say, at an ICU by wearing properly fitting N95s. Is that a function of the the time-limited exposure and the fact that the mask is worn well during that time and there's not a lot of I think what output? it has to do with is that we weren't doing antibody testing. So you think they were and- being exposed? I think they were exposed, but I think that they're always exposed to so many things. I think that people who constantly face immune bombardment probably have more robust immunity already built. It's like, you know, preschool teachers, you know, when they first start teaching, they get hit really hard by all of the grody things. And then they're kind of indestructible (laughs) after a while because you're just constantly dealing. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't quite fit. No. The way things it, – it it felt more like – and by the way, as somebody that you know walked hospital floors for 30 years yeah. and ICU for 30 years, I ended up with – my skin pathogens changed now where if I get the slightest cut, I get these weird cellulitic infections mm-hmm. and I never got anything like that. And that's been going on for a long time. I think time. one of the other things that people kind of neglect about hospital settings is there's already a nosocomial transmission rate of around 40%. Um, with an airborne pathogen. But but hospitals also have extreme engineering controls that have been put into place also that have an effect on, on spread, which is also what people should be doing is focusing toward in- engineering controls, dilution and destruction technology, which is are really commonplace. Um, you're talking be- about you're talking about HEPA filters and how the room's air flows and that kind of HEPA thing. filters, UVC sanitization, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and ionization technologies. So, um, so you're saying that it's if things if, that don't require compliance. If my instinct is correct, and we're protecting people that work around these patients, it's less the mask, more these engineering uh, phenomenon that are commonplace in ICUs. And they're they're very commonplace in most hospital settings. Yeah, and yeah. so that's what we should be. We had all of this endless funding and everybody's like, oh, well, we're not protecting grandma. And that's what we should have been doing course, in high risk settings to better protect the medically vulnerable individuals out there who. Of course, uh, no, no debate. Two percent of the population who can't survive. it. No you know? doubt about that. And we uh, as, instead we destroyed more people. We locked people down in poorly engineered, poor, poor environments for uh, optimal environments for transmission. Uh, and then lo and behold, the majority of transmission occurred in the home where people were locked down. Shocking. So anyway, um, now protecting other people. Talk about that. The American Society for Testing and Materials ASTM Standard Specification for Barrier Face Coverings F3502-21 Note 2 states, There are currently no established methods for measuring outward leakage from a barrier face covering, medical mask, or respirator. Put that, in, put in, that in a tweet too for me and tag me. Sure. So. Nothing in this standard addresses or implies a quantitative assessment of outward leakage and no claims can be made about the degree to which a barrier face covering reduces emissions of human-generated particles. And note five, there are currently no specific accepted techniques that are available to measure outward leakage from a barrier face covering or other products. So, Thus, so no claims may be made with the respect to the degree of source yeah, control offered right. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so so the, given that this is also categorical, right? Yeah. This is categorical. This is not like debatable. It's categorical. What would somebody say if they were going to try to defend – or what do you encounter with people trying to def- – other than we have to do something or just wear the mask, which is the ins- most insane uh, response of all. But are you encountering any sort of – engineering or scientific pushback. I always try to understand the other side of the table. So what what would somebody would somebody look at some data somewhere else that's obscure or that flies in the face of that uh, FO3.213 whatever that whatever that that uh, statement was? I want to show you two pictures and I want you to do the math on the best defense I have seen anybody come up with and you know that i am debating people on this every single day (laughs) and engaging with people on this every single day so this is the way that um, emissions were collected you see breathing straight into a funnel Uh but this is the side plume that doesn't make it into the funnel so you're completely neglecting those emissions 
So this was an otherwise good study that showed, okay, we're pretty much in line that more than 90% of respiratory emissions are um, under 0.3 microns. And when an individual is transmissible with this pathogen, you see a jump from as low as 46 particles per liter to 34,772 particles per liter. Um, and, and so while that particular study was good about showing, okay, we had a, a high amount of um, under 0.3 micron emissions, they completely disregarded side plumes in their collection once they put the masks on. So, so then this, this a, was, I just explained to people. So they had a patient, they had people sit in front of a a collecting tube, essentially. Yeah. And that tube was just in front of their face. Uh, the rest of their face was outside the tube, including yeah. the side of the mask where everything was going out after somebody took an uh, expiration. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And of course, you know, I'm a big advocate for therapy myself. I've been a patient. I've referred family, friends, patients to BetterHelp, and I've been very happy. Of course, getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you happen to be. If you've not benefited from therapy in the past, still give it a try. And for goodness sakes, with BetterHelp, there's no longer any excuse of stigma or embarrassment. In fact, if you cave to embarrassment, you were just adding to stigma, and it's all online. You don't have to worry about running into anybody. And you take care of your body. Why would you not take care of your brain? It just doesn't make any sense. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule, Fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Drew today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com slash Drew. And, and there are plentiful other studies that don't involve masks at all on particle collection from those transmissible or not transmissible with um, an airborne pathogen or with SARS-CoV-2. Um, and in those, it shows a really high output of under 0.3 micron matter, um, while it does not show an increase in other particle size ranges. The study, so, the study with the pictures. It's not you, droplet. It's, the studies it's you just showed me, the pictures from the study you just showed me, where was that published? Um, that I would have to dig up because I had just put together pictures to show and, you and, on and it. And that's what people are, it. but people are using that, that study to debate you? People are using that's the one I've seen most frequently that people are trying to say, but look, they um, they didn't capture as many particles with the head in this cone thing right in front of the <laughs> mouth. But they're completely neglecting like they, they failed to consider side plumes. And, and one of the things you were talking about fit earlier with respirators, how many people have you actually seen with them like digging into their face, creating impressions? You know how these have to be worn yep. in order for them to be considered properly fitted. Yep. You see, you know, fully open nose bridge gap, fully open side gaps, um, and aerosols take the path of least resistance. Um, and so your emissions are escaping those nose bridge gaps or the, the side gaps. They're not finding their way through the membrane. Um, uh, Stephen Petty ran some calculations on leakage. And what he found was that 3.2% leakage equates to 100% inefficacy. So somewhere around that range, but a really small amount of leakage makes it where the matter is no longer traveling through the membrane, but around it, um, which isn't very helpful when you're trying to filter something. And by leakage, you mean outlets for the for the aerosols? Outlets for the aerosols or on inhalation. You're not inhaling through the membrane. You're inhaling around the membrane. It's like it's like wearing goggles without the seal on. And if you breathe, if you let's say you did have an adequate seal, I think we 
this is one of the settings we talked about about 20 minutes ago, mm-hmm. and you breathed hard and it went through the mask but not out the side and not out the nose. It just came through the mask. Yeah. That last time we spoke, that was also a great concern for you. You felt because that that might of, that might ex- extend the aerosol. Well, and that also you're putting. I mean, think about your garden hose on a mist setting. You're you're putting pressure on a droplet against a membrane. What happens when you put pressure on a droplet against the membrane? It breaks down into smaller and smaller matter. Um, the Fogan well, effect, and it and it accelerates. It does. Yeah. And um, you and and you just. Um, you have laminar flow through the membrane and then turbulent once you're outside of the mask. They're, the only claim that they have to say that these um, capture um, under 0.3 micron particulates is claiming that they're with, suspended in Brownian motion, um, which is kind of a, a random, um, untracked uh, way of, of particulates that are suspended in air traveling within a given space, but they're clearly not when they're being emitted and traveling through a membrane. Like there's, there's just no doubt about that. And, and <laughs> um, so, and so people, and, so people understand what, what is, was your training again? Um, I, I have a, a background in PPE applications for hazardous environments, but um, my my main training was special populations integrating uh, integration for the non-medical public sector under federal regulatory compliance, mostly school-based settings, um, things you, like protection engin- of employees who serve medically vulnerable children. And, do you have engineering, uh, engineering background? I don't have an engineering background. Because no. you, you talk like an engineer. Is that because you're around environmental engineers all the time or – Maybe. And I, I have a lot of, I, I majored in a lot of things before I settled on other things. So I have a pretty good science background. I've taught physics. Um, so I, I don't know. It's a hodgepodge. Do, 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 do formal environmental engineers ever push back on you? No. So the environmental engineers, people are PhD and say environmental engineering, they agree with you. Physicists agree with me, environmental yeah. engineers, chemical engineers. I have a lot of people who agree with me. On and again, that. mysterious to me that more people aren't speaking up. It's just mysterious. I understand so many the people fe- have been censored so heavily. Yeah. I had a school board presentation video that I, I did that ha- hit 500,000 views in four hours on Instagram, and then it was completely banned from the platform. Um, and while that's been shared through back channels and things of that nature, you know, it was, um, the, the fight was in silencing people who were speaking out against the measures that were being pushed while they were also failing because some of us actually care about trying to protect the medically vulnerable. We need to push you back out on Twitter. It seems like you can say stuff there. Even on YouTube, you can kind of say stuff. Sometimes. Uh, so back to your book, Accommodating Chaos, what other misinformation there is there in the plague of information that you, dra- you address? I think that people have been really sold on this personal responsibility angle. Um, I think that they have been tricked into um, doing things like with their children Um kind of conditioning them to fear, touch, and proximity, um, and conditioning children to wear masks. Um, every single mask you've ever seen on a child is unregulated, untested, and unsafe with a zero efficacy fit, filtration, term of wear, or medical clearance standards. And like from the CDC website, claims approval for children. NIOSH does not approve any type of respiratory protective device for children at this time. Put the, please um, put that on your the series of tweets that I'm going to be pushing out with you today. <laughs> <laughs> I have um I have a, another article on Brownstone called Unethical by Design, and I I wrote a prospective study for human study um, involving children, um, and kind of just went over everything that we're expecting of children on a daily basis to wear an unregulated apparatus in school for eight to 12 hours a day with, you know, total disregard to medical monitoring or health clearance ahead of time and things of that nature. And had it argued before um, IRB and 
Um, unsurprisingly, it was unanimously rejected on um, anticipation of harm and significant ethical findings, um, because I, I believe that the requirement of putting a child in a deoxygenating device during critical language and social development stages that deny access to caregiver tooth, tongue, and lip placement um, with known anticipated physiological harms with no medical monitoring against parental consent is an ethics violation <laughs> on a, a pretty major way. I think I need to get you in touch with Aaron Cariotti. He's a psychiatrist that is uh, a bioethicist who was the head of bioethics at uh, UC Irvine. I've spoken on a space with him before. Okay, good. He's great. All right, good. What what spaces were you on? Um, That was a Twitter one Uh on PPE. Uh I'm trying to think of who hosted that one. I've done a lot of spaces. Okay. (laughs) Okay, good. I'm so glad you're out there. I, I must I must have come across some of the stuff which made me think about you again, because um, okay. um, I, I I feel like you're b- before I was overcome with your frustration, but now I'm overcome with the clarity with which you're delivering your your thinking. Beforehand, uh, I feel like I was in a panic. Yes, yes, yes. I felt like I saw everybody doing the wrong thing, and I was yeah. trying to stop them. And I yeah. would get called onto radio programs where I would be trying to explain particulate dynamics in three minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you can't, you can't do that. And so, um, I, I feel like, you know, being on the other side of it, I've been able to kind of focus on really what the main issues were all along. And and the really disheartening thing for me has been the lack of response by our public health institutions because we have tried so hard to tell them. Um, yeah, I, was, I, I, I actually woke up this morning thinking to myself, you know, there were so many other things that could have been tested that were marginally more, if not drastically more efficacious than things like masks. Even things like you know betadine or even saline nasal sprays, you know, four times a day, that kind of stuff. That stuff has good efficacy, and that well, you couldn't even talk also about. Environmental it. humidity has yep. a lot to do with it as well, and yep. and it doesn't. We we need to focus when we're talking about public health measures on on things that require very little compliance from public random interactions. Um, you know, in, in behavioral controls, okay, you have a medically vulnerable employee during an outbreak who hasn't been exposed. Why would you not schedule them first shift during, um, you know, low access hours and have overnight airflow to have cleaner air for them to be breathing instead of, um, you know, putting curfews into place, forcing more people into a given space, um, uh, within a shorter time period, which would increase atmos- a- atmospheric viral load um, of the given pathogen by having a higher likelihood of transmissible individuals within that space. And we've seen really nonsensical things like mass quarantine centers where you have multiple transmissible individuals within a given space. I think that treatment in isolation is really important. I think um, just kind of doing the the neighborly things we saw put into place, like delivering drive-up or no-contact services, um, things like that, to focus on instead of mass compliance with just virtue signaling that yeah. you, you still no, the, see the mask every is, day in cloth math. I see everyday people outside in cloth math. It, it is, it is, that is wearing some weird talisman. <laughs> You've heard me talk about ZocDoc before. Nothing worse than going to a physician's appointment expecting, well, to get the appointment. I mean, first of all, that's hard enough in itself, and then waiting around. With ZocDoc, you will find quality physicians who focus on you, listen to you, prioritize your care. It's the only free app. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who have been patient-reviewed, take your insurance, available when you need them, and treat, really, whatever it is you happen to need. There's no more Dr. Roulette or scouring the internet. Millions of people use DocDoc's free app to find and book a physician in their neighborhood. That And that doctor has been patient-reviewed and fits their needs. And schedule is just right. The schedule is on your terms. Go to ZocDoc.com. 
zocdoc.com, zocdoc.com slash Drew. Download that ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated physician today. Many are available within 24 hours. That is zocdoc.com slash Drew, zocdoc.com slash Drew. You think Vanderpump Rules is messy now? It's always been messy. I'm Jax Taylor, the OG Pump Rules villain. And I'm Brittany Cartwright, wife of the OG villain. And we've got a new podcast, When Reality Hits. We'll definitely be talking about Vanderpump Rules, past and present, and oh my, scandal. And you'll get a look at what life is like for us now as we figure out marriage and parenthood. Little cruisy. And friendships and definitely feuds. It's our real reality, with and without cameras. And sometimes with special guests like our celeb friends, former castmates, and other veterans of reality TV. So listen to and follow When Reality Hits with us, Jax Taylor and Brittany Cartwright. At Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And one of the things that uh, I've noticed about people that study these kinds of behaviors is the more outrageous the behavior in terms of its disconnect from reality, the more its religious uh, sort of import, the more the more it's clung to with greater greater intensity as a talisman, acknowledging being a part of a certain group. This is disgusting. This is an anti-science. What do we do? What do we do other than – because the horse is out of the barn. We're on the other side of this a little bit. But the fact that this happened is just mind-boggling. What do we do? You have to treat people like feral cats. And if you have a a feral cat under your house and you're trying to go at it and get it out and coax it out, you're scaring it. It's going to take longer for it to come out. You have people who have been conditioned for three years to fear the removal of this. And it's kind of like in the in the winter when spring comes and you no longer have to wear all of that clothing and you just feel naked if your arms are bare, even if it's warm outside. People have described feeling, you know, a sense of nudity removing these. And, and I don't think they know how. And I think some people will legitimately required professional help. Um, and I think that it should be available to them because I, I, I I've been saying this for we, we destroyed people, but they don't they see themselves as the standard bearer, as the as the crusaders. So yep. to tell somebody that believes not just that they're in the right, but they're the carrying the crucible of good to see a professional, zero probability. Zero probability. Sorry, I agree with you, but zero probability of compliance. Zero probability, but you can show them pictures. I like one of the things <laughs> I get into in accommodating chaos is okay, we're going to look at each mask and resp- respirator type and the emissions plume created by each. So you can see that none of them are holding this in you know, this this matter within them. But it doesn't matter with some people they are just like, well, any little bit helps. And so then I'm like, okay, well, let's pretend that it perfectly works. And here's how do you you show that even at the best it can do, it still does not work. And then you just have people tell you you're a troll and that you should hush. Right. right. You should die because you want to kill grandma and all their family members. So, So that's one aspect. But the other aspect that's more daunting to me is how do we address the public health failings, the intransigence of that group, uh, and their evangelical behavior that resulted in untoward harm? Um, we make Joseph Ladapo <laughs> responsible for everything, or Ladapo. Um, I, I, there have been some good public health leaders. By the way, I, I like that. I, I like that idea. Just, get, <laughs> just push these people aside, put Joe in charge. Yeah. Let's relax. Yeah. And he's funny about it and he'll, you know, yeah. he, he's the kind of person you need. He doesn't need me in 2020 when I was talking 800 miles a minute, like <laughs> trying to, you know, there's a difference and you come out on the other side of it and I, I it, try. <laughs> it is crazy, right? As I, I was seeing this all go down as it was going down too. That's why I talked yeah. to you in 2020, yeah. which, which is that what the – what I just was like, what is going on here? What is this? It, this is insane. And I, I've always said I, I have my dad who is an old-fashioned family practitioner in my head going – he's long since died. But literally in my head when this all started, he I, I heard him saying to me, 
So hold on. We had yellow fever and rickettsia and polio and TB, and now you're closing the world down because of a respiratory Wait, no, hold on. Wait a minute. So, so it's like yellow fever, right? Kills everybody. No, it's a it's a respiratory virus. Just and, and you shut the world the down. And you shut the world down because of a re- uh, he would he would have died a second time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So, and and anyone with any judgment, I mean, to be fair, you know, I try to really evaluate my own sort of, of uh, sort of behavior in this whole thing. I missed how powerful an R naught of two to four can be. I missed that. I didn't I did not fully get that math experientially in my head until we all experience it. That's that's kind of a profound thing to watch happen. Number one. And then number two, when it was bad, this illness, it was very bad. <laughs> it was not and it was bad a lot of the time. I had a bad, you know, alpha, delta, whatever run with it. But there was so much to do that we were not educating people about. Did you notice that there was never a focus on health-seeking behaviors? Health-seeking behaviors or treatment options. When, right. when, when I got the monoclonal antibody infusion, it turned my illness around within an hour. And I, because of that, I went out on Instagram Live and said, you need to avail yourself of this. And what did I get back? Shut up. You got special treatment. You could afford it. It's free. It's available. <laughs> the government already bought it. It's available to everyone. But no one is teaching you about how to treat your illness to stay out of the hospital and get through this thing. And we're no still – teaching st- you how to bolster your immunity ahead of time. Still not. Still nothing on what if you get long COVID? What if you have a – how do you – what about the clotting stuff? What are we going to do about clotting? And how much is COVID? How much is vaccine? I don't know, but let's just try to help people with this. No, can't ask questions. Just shut You'll up. You'll notice shut that up. none of the long COVID studies exclude both vaccinations. I know. And those I, who are on respirators for I, extended listen, periods of and, time. And none of the, and none of the COVID concluding studies – exclude you know none of the studies are saying covid is causing x y and z exclude vaccination so we don't know what's going on we have no idea so all right well listen um i think i need to talk to you some more sometime maybe on the streaming program uh because i want to sort of put your stuff out wherever i can do it and i'll be looking uh for your tweets i want to make sure i don't miss them maybe dm have you been trying the lock thing where you've had to lock for people to even see your tweets to begin with i I see i see the i see the but the talk about all that i have no idea what they're talking about i actually don't know what that so we should probably point out that we're recording this a bit in advance yeah in february February 2023 (laughs) there is a conspiracy theory that the only way to find people on twitter or have people find you is to have your account set to private well but but what i I did it my account went up my my views went up or my engagement it went up tenfold. Yeah, well, what I Elon has weighed in. If I would unlock, it goes back down. But it's been kind of a needed break. So I'm not well, but yeah, I was going to say Elon himself said it happened to him. That's yeah, he where acknowledged I, that, it. That's where it caught my attention. Uh, but uh, I'm looking at. Uh, I need you to DM me. Our DMs are intact, so we can DM each other when you yeah. put out a tweet or whatever. DM me. Let me know you're doing it, and I'll amplify oh. it because we need to push, push, push. And get as you said, just keep it flowing so the feral cat eventually comes out into the sun and gets the cat food. Yeah, uh, it's, and it's two years later, later, like you know, we we had a feral cat one time. It took two years before we could pet that cat, but then eventually she turned into a perfectly normal cat. But it's 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 just interesting, <laughs> Megan, how much your emotional state has changed, <laughs> and, and 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 I and I'm not sure. I don't want to see you a little more hysterical if I'm worried about this and anxious and, and sort of beating the cage a little more because I, I feel like I don't want you to get beaten down by all this. Okay. I, I need you I to keep, keep, keep that energy up. Okay. I don't feel a need to. I feel like every, every day I'm being proven a little bit more right about what I was so hyper about to begin with. But, <laughs> but I'm not sure the message is not- getting out quite. I understand you're getting vindicated, but not enough people are under- hearing that you're being vindicated. And that's what, what needs to happen now. So, and that's what's happening to a lot of people. A lot of people are like, oh, everything I thought was so is so. But there is a whole world that doesn't hear it, get it, understand it. And uh, I just drive through uh, South Pasadena sometime and see how many dozens of people are walking out on the crosswalks with their masks on. It's just, I just, oh, what have we done to these people? Maybe I can articulate it a little better now. Yes, you can. Um, It's true. You're doing a really, really good job. Kind of complete, uh, uh, tell a complete story. Yes, yes, no. 
you're, not you're, fragmented, you're, not, but you need to look at this and you need to look at that. Like, no, I okay, know. You're, you're doing from start you, to you, finish. You, you become a, <laughs> you, in addition to being somebody concerned about the vulnerable, uh, vulnerable ill, you become a good uh, medical slash scientific communicator. So keep, keep it up. And uh, glad to see you. Uh, let me put out all your particulars. I don't think, I don't know if I did. I did. I did. Mama, <laughs> Mamasaurus. Wait, wait, where are you? Yeah. Mamasaurus Meg. Get her on Twitter, at Mamasaurus <laughs> Meg, which where she's going to put out all this stuff. And get the book, Accommodating Chaos, Correcting Chorus on a Plague of Misinformation. If you know, if you want, if you have friends that are some of those feral cats, you can uh, put that off your new coffee table and sort of, hey, have you ever <laughs> seen this or thought about this? That's the way to kind of get at them. Megan, thank you so much. What's that? You're welcome. And my DMs are always open. I speak at school board meetings. I'll speak with your employer. I I put that offer out there. I've had many people take me up on it. I do pro bono mediation and advocacy um, for people seeking better accommodations. And, you know, it's all about getting back to normal. Well, and so. the, the DM, the, do you follow everybody that follows you? Is that what happens? How, no. How does, can you nope. DM? Don't you have to be you followed? You can DM people. They just have to put a request. Okay. I you just it. click the little message box and Got send it. it to me. You okay. probably have a grip of DMs. You don't even know are there. Uh, there's a section. There's a separate section in Instagram and Twitter where you have to go to. Oh, that's people for that requests. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I always wonder what that is. That's I, people I don't who don't follow is. you who are trying to DM you. You don't want to go into that. Don't don't click that one. I'll see who's there. Now I can go look at it. See who's there. All right, Megan. Thanks again. We'll talk soon. You're welcome. Thank you right. for having me. Bye-bye. Have a good one. We'll see everyone next time. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. All month long on Pluto TV, stream the biggest Tyler Perry movies free. Watch your favorites like Medea's Witness Protection and Medea's Big Happy Family. Join Tyler Perry as he goes on a couples retreat with Sharon Leal in Why Did I Get Married? Or Idris Elba and Gabrielle Union in the Tyler Perry directed film Daddy's Little Girls. Plus, Pluto TV has hundreds of channels with thousands more movies and TV shows available on live and on demand. Download the free Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming now. Pluto TV. Drop in, watch free.